What is going on, everybody? Mike Curlin here from the Bases Load Podcast. And just a reminder, for those who don't know, we have teamed up with Rotoballer this year for the 2020 season, which means we're joining the Rotoballer Radio Podcast Network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer's 2020 draft kit is live, and all Bases Loaded listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's draft kit by using discount code BASESLOADED. Rotoballer is home to number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers and busts, and more than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All of this from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with discount code BASESLOADED. Just go to rotoballer.com slash bases loaded and get your draft kit today. And they're walking him with the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off. Hello and welcome in everybody to episode 108 of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And it's a full house tonight. It's not just George, not just Zach. We actually have Zach's host of his other podcast, Brent Herzog, joining us. You can follow all these guys on Twitter. Let's start with George to my because I'm looking at you guys on the screen. George is the closest one to me. George, you can follow on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. Zach is at BrafZ. And of course, Brent, our special guest tonight at exit velo underscore bh everybody what's going on i don't even know who to start with this is like a party <laughs> what up? Wait, you know what? party wait 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 wait. before oh, we get yeah. started party yeah uh, brent i don't know if you, we didn't tell you about this but brent go grab a beer nights. i got one i already have one. Oh, yeah, there yeah. it is wait <laughs> is, it is. is this beer bourbon baseball no, 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 that was yesterday. <laughs> but uh, but yes, I do the cracking into the mic every time. That's one of my favorite things to do. I love it. It sounds refreshing. Yeah, how about the cheers, guys? Cheers. Cheers. Right, we're going we're gonna to imagine. How about, uh, we're we're imagine. How about uh, happy birthday to Nelson Cruz? Hey. <laughs> ha- happy Bobby Bonilla Day. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. <laughs> happy, great, welcome to the show, time. Brent. <laughs> whatever you want to, whatever you want it to be, man. So, Brent, um, for those who don't know, explain obviously what you do um obviously your show where they can find it all that good stuff real quick yeah you can find us at exit velocity pc on twitter and we are just a baseball podcast we started off as a fantasy baseball podcast and kind of switched over to just baseball in general and featured guests on from we had jerry blevins on the other week uh ellen adair she's uh actress out in la or new york and we featured guests and that's what we are now just have a lot like, of fun. I, I've noticed, man. I've seen the guests you guys have had. It's been pretty impressive. A lot of like color commentators and all that, man. It's been uh it's been a really interesting uh ascension almost. And I know Rasball picked you up and you you're part of the Rasball Network, correct? Podcast yeah. Uh, podcast network. Yeah, we're part of Rasball now, and we pretty much like to have guests on to get to know them so fans can get to know who's calling their games and stuff it's like that cool, in baseball. Man. What people don't realize is as obviously I and we didn't realize this when we first got started, but people are really receptive to coming on these things and talking to us and just mm-hmm. talking baseball. It's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you were the our first guest ever was you. <laughs> was I, I'm so sorry. I set the were... bar so low. <laughs> I helped out. 
Yeah, me and Jordan after that were like, oh, man, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> he can talk. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, it's, it's a comfort thing. And Welcome that's to our lives, Brent. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, and speaking of me talking, that's why George and Zach haven't said anything. What's going on, guys? <laughs> What's up? No, I, I really like the direction that you guys have taken the Exit Velo podcast, man. Those guests are awesome. Just hearing the stories from the players and stuff. Blevins was great. Uh, Wendelkin was great. Uh, all those guys. So really like the direction that uh, you guys have taken Exit Velo over there. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It's, it's been fun. I'm glad Brent asked me to come on just to do something different. Like this is more the fantasy baseball thing, but talking some general baseball, but still a little bit, bit of fantasy I was baseball. Say, in there. You guys mix some fantasy, didn't you? You had yeah. Cross on recently. No, we had Eric Cross um, on a couple weeks ago. You just had um. Oh my goodness, Nick Pollock the other day. Nick, mm-hmm. Nick Pollock. We had Ian Smith on. Episode drops on Thursday. Um, but yeah, we're doing people are listening to this. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing an assortment of things. But no, we had uh. Brent had on um, a former player, had Ben Verlander on a while ago. And a lot of players just, they're not allowed to be involved with fantasy baseball mm-hmm. whatsoever. And I think that was a, a good move to kind of just say we're more of a general baseball podcast. We do like talking fantasy baseball, but just being a general baseball podcast, it brings in some other opportunities that maybe just talking strictly fantasy baseball doesn't allow you to do. Oh, 100% agree. And I realize my limitations on this pod but it's all right because this is it's all about what you enjoy at the end of the day and it took me a while to realize that so uh, that's why i'm like do you remember back in the day guys when there'd be no way i'd be cracking a beer live on like on the pod and like (laughs) like like that it's all about having fun and it's we we still don't curse we still try to you know be a family friendly as far as like people can listen to us around their kids but it's definitely way more laid back than it's ever been and honestly it's the way i'm glad i'm glad it's gone that route and yeah, well, with that That's said, fine. guys, we talked draft strategy last last episode, so we figured let's talk about the mock draft that we did introduce last episode. We discussed it. the The draft order ended up changing right after the pod was finished recording <laughs> because somebody backed out. So our picks are a little different. But Brent had the first pick. George, what Zach? You had the, what the fifth or sixth pick? Sixth six pick. P- six pick. George had the what? Would you have the tenth? Tenth pick. Yeah. And I had the fifteenth. So we're spread out. It's going to be interesting. This is a five-by-five roto, and it's 15 teams. With that said, George, Zach, and I all agreed Mike Trout was not the number one overall pick anymore. Brent said, screw that, took Trout (laughs) at one. (laughs) It's on you, man. Um, You don't have the same reservations we have, I guess. No, I still think even if he has the birth of his child and goes home, I think he's good enough to make up those numbers in that time to still be a top 10 fantasy player. And with Steels being a super premium 60, 60 game season, I, I clear number one for me. I just, you trust the Steels and they've been declining mostly because like freak injuries and such over the last couple of years. But the Steels are concerned, at least in my opinion, to not be what they used to be. And that's why a guy like someone like an Acuna, which again, I actually had a draft starting today. I had the one, the one, the one, one pick. And I, it was the same format as far as 15 teams, Roto. And I took Acuna. Because I'm bank, I'm going from shooting for the ceiling a little bit and getting going for the steals, mm-hmm. and that's where that's the direction I personally would would have gone. And games played to me are at such a premium, it scares me. I know, trust me, I get it. Trout is the safest player, the safest like highest floor player in fantasy. There's no denying that. But when you're missing time in a shortened season like this, even somebody like him, this matters. And I'm not saying he belonged, but uh, I think I still have him as a top five pick, but he was like fifth, which I know is like a kind of a hot take but i'm seeing it's becoming kind of a common i'm seeing them follow three a lot actually 
But obviously, you mentioned you have no real reservations, no real concerns, and I get it because he is good enough to make up for the time. Mm-hmm. But you have to. But at the same time, you're hoping for it. Does anybody mm-hmm. else have anything to add to that? Because I just rambled about Trout again for the second straight episode. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I I agree with Brent in the fact that even if he does sit out a week or two, I still think he's going to be uh, one of the premier premier talents in fantasy this year. So I'm I don't know. I I think that Acuna might have gotten to the top of my draft board, but I still don't think Trout deserves to fall out of the top three at all. You would take him as high as you would take him second. You would still take. You would probably take Acuna first though. I think I'm going Acuna Trout Yelich at this point. And that hurts to say, doesn't it? Trout it does. is. I've been trout all trout. trout. I've been all trout number one, but the stolen bases. I just trust that Acuna is going to get some more stolen bases in a shortened season. I still think Trout is going to get some more bags yeah. than he's used to, but um, they might be cautious. You don't know. Joe Madden could be a headache over there. <laughs> we, we have no idea. It's Joe Madden. Exactly. He yeah. is a headache. George, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if he's only if he only misses like the three days, then I mean, yeah, you go Trout. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it could be three days. It could be a week. I'm just not sure. I, I think I would probably put him fifth after – or um, I'd probably put him after Bellinger. Hmm. That's, um, that's but, where I'm at. Maybe even Turner. Yeah. You can argue right, Turner. Yeah, Turner's right there, right there for me as well. Because of speed being so essential. And this – remember, this is format dependent. In a points mm-hmm. league, that's not the case. Or in other types of formats, that's not the case. But in strictly a roto league – Five by five in particular, I think there's arguments to be made here. But we can go down the rest of this round. We don't need to harp on Mike Trey more. Acuna went second, no surprise. Um, Bellinger third was a little bit of a surprise because he went over Yelich mm-hmm. and uh wow, wow, yeah, over Yelich and Betts. Sorry. And I, I kind of grouped them into a top five now, at least for me. So to see Bellinger go over Yelich, I'm not terribly surprised. People have their concerns about the knee and the back, and I understand that. And Bellinger actually has probably arguably the easiest schedule of all these players as well. So to see him go at three, I wasn't surprised. Is anybody really, really surprised he went over uh, Yelich? No, yeah. I just think that Bellinger, he does not have the most safe floor among I agree. guys here. And that's what concerns me. I mean, he could still be that MVP type of player, or he could go back to the 2018 Bellinger where it was very iffy and he dropped to the fourth round in 2019. Um, hopefully he's kind of made some swing adjustments and he's that MVP player, but I still think there's a lot of risk in taking Bellinger. I think Yelich, I, I think that knee injury was a fluke, was a foul ball. I'm, I'm not concerned. Uh, I think Yelich is going to get you still a ton of bags in there as well. So I still think I have Yelich in front of Bellinger. Oh, I do too. Easily, but Easily. I, I do too, but does maybe Bellinger having first base help? his argument as well. And again, I'm not saying I agree with the pick. I'm I'm just saying it's not terribly surprising because I can understand the logic there. That's where I'm kind of getting at. What do you think, Brent? Maybe not. <laughs> Are you there? Yeah. Sorry. I would take miles <laughs> on mute. Sorry. I would take <laughs> Yelich over Bellinger. I'd take, I'd take DeGrom, Soto, Yelich, and Betts all over Bellinger just because of in 2018 he did have that rough stretch. And in 60 games, I don't see Bellinger being like a top 15 guy, top 15, top 20. Wow, that's kind of hot takey because, I mean, <laughs> you're putting them – again, That that the, the, in their division, they're play, they get to play against the Rockies. They get, they get to get – they can't talk tonight. They get to play against the Giants. They get to play against the Diamondbacks, who aren't a fantastic pitching staff. And they also get the Padres, who aren't a fantastic pitching staff. So just those games alone, 
I feel like vault them up the up the ranks. And then the Angels, they won't they don't have a terrific pitching staff. It's just a lot of good favorable matchups. So I, I have a hard time not buying into them in a short. But I do understand. I truly do. I'm not trying to just play nice here. I do understand the trepidation, but I understand the upside. Three overall. Again, I think we're we're, we're kind of harping on it. That's my fault because I can't let it go. But it's just kind of interesting. George, any quick thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, no, I could totally see it. Honestly, I think I would still take Yelich um, right over Bellinger, but I don't think it's that far off like at all. Uh, Bellinger, I mean, he really made some strides last year. Only had a two percent strikeout minus walk rate, and then um, you go, you look at Yelich, and uh, you know he went forty four and thirty. Maybe there's a little bit of concern with that knee, but he's in that central. He's going to get to see like the uh, you know have a series against the Tigers and the Royals and the, you know those AL Central teams that yeah, you know sure. we like to pick on. So uh, I, I think I don't think the gap is too wide there, and I totally see can totally see Bellinger going over Yelich. But none of us agree that that should be the case. So we'll move on from there. So at Yelich is at four. Soto at five is kind of um interesting because he went over to Grom, who was actually. The first pitcher off the board to Zach, so I'll let you speak on that in a moment as far as your strategy and thoughts behind that. And then Betts at six, which I thought was a fantastic value at that point. At, oh, sorry, at seven, which I thought was a fantastic value at that point because we all think Betts, most of us think Betts are in the top four, five, six talent. So from the fall outside the top six was, again, a great value. But circling back to DeGrom, Zach, what are your thoughts um, taking DeGrom that early? Mets bias there as a Mets fan? It, it wasn't really Mets bias, more so just taking the number one pitcher on the board, in my opinion. Uh, I still have DeGrom above Cole in the rankings, not just because I'm a Mets fan, just because I think DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball. Um, but at the number six pick here, I was I was torn between DeGrom and Trey Turner based on our discussions um, in the previous episode that we were on. Uh, definitely wanted to try and lock up some stolen bases. That's why I was really a huge consideration for me, but ultimately I wanted to take a different strategy. I I typically do not go starting pitchers in the first round. And I wanted to, I wanted to explore uh, this strategy of going starting pitcher in the first. And ultimately I ended up taking pitching in the first three rounds just to kind of see how my team would shape out. Um, But before I even decided on doing that, I just wanted to take DeGrom in the first round and see what kind of bats would be available in the second round to maybe uh, uh, maybe see like if a Bryce Harper was somebody was there. He ended up not being available there. He went to pick right before me. Well, so we'll kinda, talk about that because you have a very interesting start <laughs> to your draft. The reason I'm, I'm bringing that is because that's why I didn't really consider Mookie Betts in that spot. I thought I might be able to grab another premier outfielder in the second round if, if he slid to me. Ultimately, that didn't happen. We'll get to that. But I'm pretty happy grabbing the number one starting pitcher in a shortened season. I think DeGrom it might, only, might only take him one or two turns to really uh, get up to his normal six innings, if not more. Um, and in quality start leagues or leagues that count counts, count wins, uh, I think DeGrom is a, a premier, premier asset for your fantasy team. I gotcha. And – Again, there's not much else to talk about. Soto at five isn't like a terribly hot take. I just think there's you need to get your. I think you need to address speed in the first round or first two rounds. And Soto, he did steal double digit steals, but I again I wouldn't count on that. I wouldn't count on speed being a skill set of his in a shortened season. So again, I wouldn't take him over bets, but I understand it. I, I hate being on the fence. I hate I hate trying to play that whole. Oh, I get it because it sounds like I'm trying to be a nice guy, but it is what it is. Uh, Garrett Cole was the next pitcher off the board. 
which we kind of all expressed Walker Bueller and Cole, and I'm kind of leaning Bueller over Cole because I first your first year on a mega contract with a new team, the division has a full, you know, the ballparks, et cetera, et cetera, reasons after reason. But I can understand Cole's safety net there because I don't expect them to be take it easy on him trying to win games. Uh, after that, you see a run of offense here. And this is where I get frustrated because you see Story go, Trey Turner go to George, which we'll talk about in a minute, at 10. Lindor, Bregman, Arenado, Ramir, Jose Ramirez, and then Max Scherzer round out the first round. Trey Turner at 10. You know I love that pick. George, th- talk about it, buddy. Yeah, I – for, for me, I probably would have taken him, you know, five or six. Uh, Trey Turner, for me, I moved him uh, uh, to up to number one uh, in my shortstop rankings for the shortened season. I just think that, you know, in 60 games, all the stats are going to be, you know, much closer together. And the more you could separate yourself in the in the speed department, I mean, I, I think the better. So Trey Turner, for me, uh, is... Uh, you know, a solid number uh, first round pick as you can get, I think, right after those top like four, three, four guys. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind taking Turner right there. So for me, getting them at 10 here was actually a bit of a value. And do you guys have anything to add to that? Uh, Brent, anything? I'm not sure about your thoughts on Trey Turner. Uh, I would actually took the guy below him over Trey Turner just because, I mean, in 60 games, I don't know how much players are going to be running, especially if they start winning for injury risk and things like that. But I would have took Frankie Lindor over Trey Turner. And a guy that um, we'll get to, I'm sure, but Nolan Arenado is probably your safest guy. You love Arenado. You love (laughs) He's been one of the most – he's like underrated in fantasy. He's like most consistent fantasy guy that we've had the past five years. I there's no arguing that I think he's tremendously safe. It's just again, speed is so pushed up. That's why you see him fall. Uh, it's it's a skill set thing. If he is Mike Trout without the stolen bases, I mean that's the best way to put it. He, I mean, it feels like it. Mike Trout might have a better batting average, uh, or more likely will have one. But you get my point. The power, the RBIs, the, the four categories as high as you get with Arenado for sure. But this lack of speed really pushes him down. And then there are. Arenado light type guys like the JD Martinez's and the guy and Anthony Rendon's who obviously don't have that ceiling but have a high floor and similar skill sets. You have them going in the rounds after that, and I think that's what hurts Arenado's value. Even though his ceiling's way higher, the floor of those other guys and skill sets are easier to come by, whereas speed is not. So I think that's why you see Arenado coming down in, in price. But I understand the Lindor thing because Lindor. He, yeah, I think he, I don't think he has the same ceiling for stolen bases, but you know, you're going to get him. And it, it could be a preference, but I'm not, I, I just obviously I don't agree. Zach, what are your thoughts on Trey Turner as a whole? Yeah. And, I love the pick. Love him in a shortened season. Really don't have much to add. I think it's a, so three versus one, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> How many stolen bags do you think he gets then? What do you think the stolen bag leader looks like? I mean, we saw him get three on opening day last year, I believe it was. He could probably steal in 60 games. I wouldn't be surprised to see Hammer Mondesi steal 20. Yeah, I was going to say maybe like 18 to 20. That's ceiling, though. I mean, that would be the most I expect from a stolen base leader this year. Realistically, 15 to 12. 12 to 15 probably is like going to be close to getting it with the way stolen bases are. Mm -hmm. But. And then again, looking at the rest of this round, I don't agree with Bregman over Arenado. But before I talk about the turn, because that's kind of funny how it happened, and obviously it's my pick, I'm on the turn here. Uh, anything else stand out as far as the rest of this first round, George? Anything that you notice right away that you want to talk about? We talk about Arenado. Bregman's kind of a reach, but yeah, no, I mean um, Jose Ramirez at 14. Also, think that's a really good pick. I think so too. Uh, but uh, 
yeah, no, everything is pretty much pretty much standard here in this first round. I agree. Uh, all right, so we'll just move right on to the turn where CPK was in full effect, and I slept right through <laughs> and auto drafted both <laughs> you guys, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I did not want to go pitcher pitcher, but it was a fun strategy to take on because I went pitcher pitcher without trying. And Scherzer and Bueller, which flip flopped the ranks, obviously, but it is what it is. I got them both on the turn. Pocket aces, Toby, aka Backflip Crazy, would be proud. Brent, we'll go right back to you. Actually, no, sorry, Zach, we'll go to you. I haven't had you talking a little bit. What are your thoughts on going pocket aces with your first two picks? Which is kind of a <laughs> you kind of did it, so we'll just get that out of the yeah. way. Now. I like it. I think this is this is a great time to experiment with this strategy. But I am curious if you were awake for these two picks, who would the who would the picks have been? You would have it taken would have one of these pitchers and someone else? Bueller and Tatis. Because I'm all about shooting for the upside. And Tatis offers you the five-category upside without – the obviously, there's no real safety there. He could literally – the four could fall from under him. Second year, yeah. uh, more time for pitchers to get, to get to know who he is. So maybe a flare-up with the back problems. I get the risks. But I would have taken my shot with Fernando oh, Tatis and Bueller and just said, screw it, let's go for it. Because I really like yeah. – pitchers fell. Pitchers fell in this draft. Mm-hmm. And I was really upset that – at the net, which I think I ended up going going the route I wanted to go anyway with offense, but the next time around I wanted one of the pitchers there, and it just didn't fit my team build at that point. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. why me and you kind of took the approach that we we did, or at least myself, because I added a, a third pitcher in there. But yeah, pitchers really did fall further than I thought. I was expecting to see maybe Bueller and Verlander sneak into that first round in a fifteen team draft, but. Um, yeah, I, I really I, I don't dislike what you did at all, even though you didn't really technically do it because you were sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did it. Zach and I kind of had a, a side text going, you know, like, who, who do you think uh, Mike is going to take here? And um, our, our money was on Tatis and one of these two pitchers. <laughs> and then uh, a few rounds into this, I kind of realized, you know what? I have been doing these drafts way too much with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know our picks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, Which man. is that's uh, what's part, part of podcasting together. And I'm trying to look. I'm trying to do a quick count. And I lost my count, but I'm in a 15 team. It's NFB. It's NFBC uh, draft champion style, so it's like a draft and hold. So there might be a little more reasoning why because this is redraft. The idea of this is daily league and all that. Probably this is not. This is weekly. This is you know draft and no waiver wire. So maybe pitchers get pushed up a little more in this format. But again, similar, same five by five, same 15 teams. And we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 pitchers go. 16 pitchers go by the end of the third round. And here we did not have that happen. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like you, you see, that's kind of like literally a full, like everybody has at least one pitcher. And I think most people have at least two by now. And I have none in this league. So we'll see how that turns out. But I digress. Uh, that's just to give you an idea. It's all, uh, you got to adapt to how the league drafts around you like you might think this is what's going to happen but you really never know because in a shortened season adp if it ever went out the window it, it goes out the window now because adp hasn't changed yet people we as drafters are changing adp and people are adjusting to this and there are newfound values that people are starting to bump up which we'll get to in, in my next set of picks coming back around in third and fourth but we've we talked about it enough oh brent i guess i forgot to ask you geez i'm really bad you not being on the screen here buddy's throwing me off because i see everyone <laughs> else's face uh what is your idea what's your um thoughts on this whole pocket aces two pitchers in the first two rounds strategy oh i like that i think the aces are going like the top 
15 pitchers, the aces of each team are going to be so valuable because everyone thinks that they're going to only go three, four innings. Their first start might be like that. But after that, I think they're going right to six, seven, eight innings. Why? Because their bullpen, they can't rely on their, all these teams can't rely on their bullpens this heavy. They're going to wear them. They're going to run them into the ground. So they're going to have to rely on these aces to step up halfway at the end of the season, pitch six, seven innings because the bullpens will be tired. I think these are guys that are just going to start right off the bat throwing more too. So, that, yeah, like you said, that always helps. All right, moving on from my, my Scherzer Bueller unofficial official start. Um, it kind of it's more of the same. So there's not much to say, see here. Uh, Freeman, Freddie Freeman, uh, Jose, Rafael Devers, Fernando Tatis Jr., Verlander, Bieber, Glaber Torres in the mid in the middle of the second. That is just terrible. I can't get behind that. Anybody else think that's like a reach, especially in the shortened season? Anybody can speak up. I'm not going to direct this one. Like, can we all just give a collective? Yeah, that's yes, not a good pick. It was, yeah, it was a little <laughs> bit of a reach. Agreed. Like it's just that simple. Is anybody here even like somewhat into him or interested or, or high on him or believe in what he did last year fully? I think he could repeat it to an extent, but I don't think he's a second round pick. I mean, if he fell to maybe mid to late third, fourth round, like then I would possibly consider him but uh and the dual eligibility is nice but there's just a lot of better options out there that i like i'd rather take one of the upper tier starting pitchers or maybe somebody to get me some bags but it's it's just eh, man not a huge fan all right we can move right on no no, no reason to stick around there you see, i like to see mike clevenger go in here um right in the middle of the second i think he's regained that value being healthy now and again it goes back to that division being very very weak Bryce Harper to SP Streamers in this one. So, Mike, he misspelled his name. It's kind of funny. Uh, Bryce Harper. Yeah, streamer. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but Bryce Harper, I, I think it's either you're in or you're out on him. I, I like the price. I think it's actually a fair price. There's five category upside. The batting average being the only true question. He's sneaky for steals. I just, I don't know. I, I really like him, but I think you either like him or you don't. There's really no in between with Harper. He stole a lot of bases down the stretch last year. He stole 15 total for the season, too. Yeah. So that's the question what I'm is, is he going to run that much? It's a new new coaching staff. Uh, the Phillies aren't that good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, they're front, I don't know. The front of the top of the line was pretty solid, actually. We'll see. I do, You're right. I do, yeah. I do like him, though. I was considering him if uh, – I'm just going to get to it. So I'm after yeah. uh-huh. after uh, SP Streamer there. Uh, so he took Bryce Harper right before me. If Harper was available, I probably would have taken him, but that kind of changed my strategy last second there. I ended up going Strasburg with my uh, my second pick. I know Brent's going to be upset at me <laughs> here because I was considering his boy Flaherty here, but I just felt like Strasburg was a safer floor in a shortened season. I don't know if we're going to see first half Flaherty or second half Flaherty. So I kind of went with the uh, the safer guy in Strasburg there just to lock in two elite starting pitchers. I'm surprised you went that route because Strasburg, he's in this like, and for me, it's like this little tier of Strasburg, Flaherty, Castillo. Kershaw's kind of crept into that. Morton is making his way there, and Giolito's kind of right there too. And I just start looking at schedules when it gets that close. And Flaherty should have an easier path as far as schedules go because if you have Strasburg with the NL East and then he has to face the AL East, when he actually uh, he gets Baltimore. So he gets Baltimore for the majority of it or the bigger parts, but then he still has to face the Yankees, the Red Sox, who I don't know, maybe, I don't know. Those teams aren't as, I mean, the Yankees are pretty daunting, but the Red Sox are iffy, you know. Yeah. Other than the Yankees, you might be overthinking that. Like the Ra- Rays? Rays are solid. Rays are always good. 
The Rays just they, they platoon. They'll give him like all lefties, and then when they switch pitchers, they'll sw- they'll put all righties in. It's the Rays. <laughs> I just think he's raised his game to elite status. He's been man- managing to stay healthy the past few years. Uh, I think he's one of the safer guys here. Where I, I love Flaherty, I love Castillo. Love you had Gino, safety but... though. That's the thing. Like I'm surprised. Yeah. Another thing is you had Degrom, so you already had the safety. I'm surprised you didn't take a little bit more of a uh, of a chance here. Yeah, that's all. That's where that's where I'm at with the whole taking a chance because you had the safety and floor of the DeGrom. other guys. Definitely have some more upside, I think. But yeah, I, I honestly don't think you can go wrong with any of them as long as they're healthy. Gotcha. And this goes back to the dual uh, pitcher thing. And but you, Brent, like Flaherty more. You could talk on Flaherty and why you like him more. And is there any other pitcher as well after you speak on there? Flaherty that you would have taken over Strasburg. Uh, yeah, I mean, Flaherty, that second half he had last season was, I mean, that was Hall of Fame worthy. And the first half, people, it, was, it wasn't great. His ERA was four. He gave up like 19 or something home runs, so he gave up the long ball. But once he figured it out, I mean, he was the best pitcher in the game in the second half. But I would put Flaherty over Strasburg, and I'd put him over Castillo as well, who I took at 30. I like Luis Castile in a 60-game stretch. I think he could get a ton of strikeouts with that changeup. But, yeah, they're all kind of right in that same bunch. Jack Flaherty's 2019 second half reminds me of Zach Wheeler's 2018 second half, and they did not translate that over to the following season. So I, I like Flaherty a lot, but I just, I'm just i concerned we don't see that second half uh, continue on to this year. But still, Castillo, Flaherty, great options. I got you. And George, anything to add? Or if not, we can just move along. <laughs> no, no. I think um, Strasburg, I, I like that start. You know, the, the two pitchers there that, that you took with DeGrom and Strasburg, um, I, I like that. I, I went Shane Bieber myself in the second round, uh, paired him with Trey Turner. Oh, we passed right over that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Oh, no, uh, it's all good. So I started my draft here with uh, Turner and Shane Bieber. We know, I, I mean, I was kind of torn between Bieber and Clevenger, to be honest. Uh, I mean, you know, we, Clevenger is just an absolute stud, but I think Bieber for me was just kind of a, a little bit of a safer pick. Uh, we know that, and, you know, we, we know that Francona likes to let his guys go deep into games. Bieber was one of two pitchers last year who did not allow an ERA of four or higher during any month. So he was pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and, and just I uh, like the matchups that he's going to have there. So, you know, getting my ace here with Bieber, I was, I was happy with that. I got you. Yeah, sorry I was skipping you. I knew there was something. I'm like, there has to be, I'm like, I'm missing someone in the second round. It's George, <laughs> always. Uh, I'd say, the uh, again, we kind of jumped ahead to Brent's pick of Castillo, and we'll talk about who you grabbing in the third round here in a second. But look at the end of the second here, after Flaherty, after Strasburg and Flaherty picks, you had Rendon. Catel Marte was kind of a, a surprise in the late second. But then you had J.D. Martinez, which was more of the same, and then Luis Castillo, you mentioned. And you paired Luis Castillo and Mike Trout. You went ahead and took uh, Jose Altuve. You have no reservations with the whole cheating thing with the knees, with anything, any of that. You just think Altuve is who he is? Yeah, I, I have him as the number one second baseman. I think people got scared with the cheating scandal, and he wasn't stealing bags anymore. But, I mean, he's still – the elite second baseman. I actually was listening to CBS yesterday and they have El Tuve ranked like fourth or fifth as a second baseman. I couldn't believe it. I have him ranked third, I think as second baseman. He's definitely <laughs> dropped quite a bit, but yeah, the stolen base numbers are a real concern. Like he's just not running anymore. Um, there's other guys up there. I think Tom Marte was second base eligibility. Ozzy Albies, 
guys that are definitely going to get you some more stolen bags and still hit pretty pretty good at the top of their lineups there. Uh, I just think they might be more appealing options. And, yeah, this whole cheating scandal really has just gone away with everything else going on. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, who knows what kind of Altuve we're going to see at this point. But Yeah, I I will agree that I think that Altuve is taking a little bit uh, more of a knock than he should. I mean, he did did kind of change the way – you know, he, uh, he he did kind of change his approach last year, started pulling the ball more. We saw that power. But even so, even with, you know, a higher pull percentage, he still hit almost 300. You know, it was like, what, like 296, uh, you know, upper 290. So still a stud there at, at second base. So really can't can't fault that pick there. The one thing I will say about Luis Castillo, I mean, I love Luis Castillo. He has a ton of upside. But the one thing that scares me is the walks. And if he has one game that gets away from him, and, you know, he, he doesn't have the control there. It could really, and, you know, he has a blow up starting. It could really hurt him there. So that's the one thing I think, you know, I put him, you know, with the 60 games, I kind of put him behind like the uh, Kershaw uh, and maybe even, uh, maybe even, where, where's he at? Uh, Patrick Corbin. Hmm. Patrick Corbin, really? I was surprised because I think he's similar to a Kershaw, but again, goes back to that tougher division. So I think, again, that's where the divisions, I start playing. Like when I have all these guys in groups and tiers like I do, I tend to just pick who I think has the easier road to a better fantasy Mm -hmm. production or overall production, which leads to fantasy production. And right after Altuve comes Mondesi, which I think that's a great spot for him. I think you should be reaching for Mondesi a little bit. And it hurts me to say that still. I still want to throw up a little bit in my mouth when I get to that point. But you look at Mondesi, it's just the stolen bases are so elite. And this guy kind of built for him. He has J.D. Martinez and Acuna. Acuna could be a little like you don't know what to expect with the batting average, possibly. But JD Martinez is what he is, and then Alberto, Alberto, Alberto Mondesi, he kind of is a question with batting average, but the stolen bases are there, so he has his five categories on offense set. So I kind of like the pick for him, but there are guys that went a little more in the middle of the rounds. We'll get to in a moment that I would have actually still preferred over Mondesi, especially since he already had Acuna. So uh, again, Mondesi early in the second. Gilito was the next pitcher off the board. Ahead of Kershaw, which Zach is who picked Kershaw, but right there was a uh, Gilito, Meadows, Alvarez, and Kershaw. So now, Zach, Braff, uh, I'm looking at your name, Zach. <laughs> you you now have Degrom, Strasburg, and then you take Kershaw. Why? <laughs> well, I was eyeing Mondesi in this spot, so I was a little upset that he got taken a few picks before. Um, I was of course eyeing Pete Alonso because why not? As my, that's your guy. Uh, that's that's your my dude. guy. But I literally just have him in so many spots. I just wanted to try some different strategies here. I was also considering Albies in this spot, but I just wasn't. I just wasn't loving it. Um, I felt like we were coming to a drop off um, in starting pitchers after the next few, and I thought I would miss out on pretty much all those guys. So I just pulled the trigger, went with <laughs> Kershaw here, and um, I was kind of curious to see what kind of hitting would be left for me. And my plan was to just go hitting until uh, for quite a few picks here. (laughs) Uh, I felt pretty confident with the three starting pitchers that I locked up to really not have to worry about starting pitching for a while. So we'll get into those other picks. But yeah, I mean, DeGrom, Strasburg, Kershaw, that's a very safe floor in a 60-game season for starting pitching. I, I really love how it turned out. It's amazingly great. My issue is is Marte and Albies were the next picks off the board. 
And I think those are both picks that first off, like in every draft I've done, at least for at least in money drafts, which I count those as being like a little more important than a mock. Obviously those guys usually don't make it out of the second round. I was hoping to get Albies at the end of the second in this draft I'm in now. And he got taken a few picks before that. And Marte did as well. Cause speed is such a commodity. Both of those guys in the middle of the third, absolutely amazing values. I hate that you didn't take one of them. And that that's like, I really like, they would have fit your team so much better. I mean, you ended up doing all right <laughs> grabbing somebody later on, but it just would have made more sense to gain some, get some speed, some five category production or four category production. They don't have the most, you know, power, but speed being the commodity it is, and second base being a tough position to fill in a fifteen team league, Albies would have been a fantastic uh, player to build your team around right there. So that's yeah, what I was pretty upset. I was pretty upset that Zach took Kershaw because I was up, you know, in three more picks and. uh I really wanted to pair Kershaw there with with Bieber. I was like, "Come on, Zach, what are you what are you missing out on? You already have the Grom and Strasburg." <laughs> <laughs> but then again, dude, you, I'm so, like the guy, uh, the guy who took Pete Alonso in three picks after that. He had Story, Torres, and Alonso. I hate his team. I love Story, <laughs> but I hate Torres and I hate Alonso. It's not that I hate yeah. his team. I hate you know. I just don't like those players. Alonso, although I'm okay. I'm getting I'm getting more accepting of the whole Pete Alonso mid third thing. It was just we saw him creeping up to that top of the third, late second even at points, and I, I just couldn't do that. Middle of the third, I still don't like that, but I at least it's okay. Especially when you see Matt Olson go three picks later, I was like, what the hell? Like Matt Olson's price is like I'm a Matt Olson guy. We know this, but that price I'm out. Like I won't I won't pay for that for Matt Olson. But regardless, uh, I, again I skipped over George because George just picked such an, another media. Like what do you? Uh, George Springer at uh, at three at three ten three point ten whatever you want to call it yeah What's up with that so I, so mad. I took Springer I took Springer so there solid, yeah I mean it's basically just uh, I already had steals locked up you know with Trey Turner I had my ace and Shane Bieber George Springer here um, you know I was taking a look at the other hitters around and I just took the guy who I mean you know he's leading off for one of the best lineups in baseball I think volume is going to be you know, huge this year in 60 games, every at bat you can get from your lineup is going to just count. And I mean, he, he really tore it up last year in the 122 games. He had 292, 39 home runs and six steals in 122 games. I mean, yeah. Um, I went ahead and, and took Springer there and I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. I probably would have went a different direction had I not already taken Turner in the first round. If I needed some speed or something to probably uh, maybe would have gone a different route, but no, I just didn't. Didn't mind the taking Springer there. So right now, looking at your team, you probably are only really struggling in RBI. All things considered, with uh, both these guys being leadoff guys, start off. Yeah, and I feel like power and RBI are probably two of the easier uh, stats to come across. You know, after these first three rounds, I mean, uh, and, and Springer in, in that lineup, he's probably not going to be. He's not terrible. No, I'm saying he's not like bad. You might get 80, which isn't bad, but it's not what you need. You know, at this point, when you've built your team, it's not where you want to start off, I would say, only because, you, again, you start off with amazing. You're going to win runs. You have good stone bases. You have good batting average. You, you have the other categories. It's just power. Obviously, you're, you can get th- a 30 home run pace out of Springer or better. So, the mm-hmm. home, like, I'm not even saying your power is bad. It's strictly uh, RBI because RBI can be weird because it's kind of a, it's not really a stat you can necessarily assume you're going to get because players just some players i don't know it's just home runs i don't know like we've seen yeah. stanton we saw a year what stanton put up 40 home runs and like 60 or 70 rb or it was like something crazy like that like 30 home runs was like 60 rbi it was stupid I yeah i mean it. if, if we were any other team, 
<laughs> if it were probably any other team besides uh, Houston, um, you know, but uh, that that lineup is just so good. So, and then moving on from Springer, you had Morton go next, which we're seeing Morton jump off, jump up boards. I love it because yeah. I actually have him as a top twelve, top thirteen pitcher now. Matt Olson again priced out. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. That's kind of crazy to me in the third round, with considering some of the names around him. Bogarts, and then it ends with me on Baez. Brent, we talked about a bunch of names. Um, any of these names stand out to you as worth mentioning or kind of more or less the same? Some Maybe somebody you're surprised about that went certain a uh, certain spot? Well, I was going to ask if Matt Olson was still on the board, were you going to take him at 45? Um, I might have. I told you like, I'm kind of priced out on Olsen at this point, but at the, sa- in the, at the same time, in a 15-team league, this kind of makes sense where he's going because it's either him or Stanton. And I'm so stuck on Stanton, and I know George uh, Zach hates him. But I, I might have, I would have definitely paired him, but not with stand up. I would have, if I took him when he was there, because I'm, at least I'm kind of priced out. But I say that until he falls to me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm priced out on him, but I'm willing to take Stanton, that's kind of contradict, that kind of contradicts what I'm saying, because it makes no sense to take one, not the other, when they're both kind of very similar skill sets. So all things considered, I probably would have caved and took my guy because he has the first base eligibility. And I would have definitely gotten Javier Baez because at this point now. I have my two aces, and I need some speed. Baez isn't elite by any means anymore. I, I wouldn't call him an elite stolen base guy, but he's going to get you some. Mm-hmm. And Baez kind of gives me that, okay, there's a few stolen bases. I consider double-tapping stolen bases here, but then I looked at who was around, and I was like, I really don't want Bichette. And then after Bichette, I was like, well, crap. Like, nothing really stood out to me as far as stolen bases. Maybe VR. And I was like, I don't want VR either. So I was like, I'm going to get my guy. And I, I've been touting Stanton, how much value I think he gains in this, how he could be like, you know, he can go on a hot streak to win you uh, home runs on his own, basically. So I went Stanton. I went to, I went John Carlos Stanton, and that was kind of a reach, especially considering ADP was like in the 60s. So I took him like 20 picks ahead of ADP. But it goes to show you that I, re- I truly mean what I say when I say don't, don't ever be a slave to ADP. Don't ever cater to it. You have to kind of go out and do your own thing. And roster construction re- really – is everything and that's how i treated it i put stand on my team i'm like cool now i have power i have runs i have rbi i have some steals but batting average is a huge question mark and i kind of just said screw it at that point started punting it we'll get to that later but yeah batting average in a short season I, I don't usually ever advocate for punting but would anybody argue that in short season batting average is the one stat you really can't really plan for you don't know what's going to happen how many times have we seen gallo Maybe once or twice, but Gallo's a bad example. But we've seen Gallo hit like 300 in a month before. We've also seen him hit like 120 in a month. So it's like you just don't know what you're going to get with any of these guys. We're talking about guys that we hope are going to be batting average people that might go through a cold cold start to the season and bat 250 on the year. So I don't know. My opinion this year, batting average is tough to gauge as it is. Sure, there are safer ways to go about it. There are still some guys that offer some floor, but to just kind of to kind of disregard like anybody can hit for a good average this year. So, so maybe I'm just not taking it serious enough. Maybe I need to consider average a little more when I draft, but I'm kind of throwing it out the window. <laughs> That's all I got. I don't know. I rambled long enough. Brent, <laughs> what was, do you think about that? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I do like George's pick of George Springer. I always feel like he starts every season off hot and ends it off hot. And most of these guys, like in these rounds, they're all a lot of streaky guys. And if you get them on the good streak, you're going to win your leagues. But if you get them to where they start off slow, you're going to struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's a whole other thing. Do we do we pull the trigger fast? If someone's on a two week cold streak, and it's like a fourth or fifth round pick, like a Max Muncy or Jeff McNeil, which again are guys that kind of went in this these areas, 
are they cuttable? Like, like somebody's popping up off the waiver wire going crazy. Are these guys, these are decisions you got to make. You got to bench guys and it's going to be really, really tough because you got to be, you can't be, you, you have to be careful not to be overreactionary, but then you have to be careful not to be like slow to the pull the trigger type of thing. You got to mm-hmm. be very, very mindful of all this. There's so much going on this year, but yeah, that's about all I got for this one. Um, Charlie Blackman. We'll talk about him in a second, but then you have Manny Machado come off the board and Machado went to a team that had Guerrero, uh, Vladdy Jr., Devers, and Arenado. So I sat here and looked at him like, how did he do this? Arenado for third base, Devers for corner and field, Vlad for DH, and Machado has shortstop eligibility. That's the only way he made that happen. Wow. But you want to talk about a high floor team. I think he's. I think this guy's punting steals, but he's getting everything else in the process. Mm-hmm. It's a really solid four-category start, but okay, sure. That's, it's risky, <laughs> but it's interesting. He kind of backed himself into a corner, and then he turns around and gets Correa. And, okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> Eloy, Rizzo. These are just, again, typical third-round names. George comes up, grabs Makata. Again, more runs, George. More runs, more – a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. <laughs> He's – it's he, like again, this is why I start laughing because you, you don't dress your RBIs until – you dress it next round, but you get my point, though. It's like – I mean, it's another good team, though, so I understand your logic, and obviously Makata is Makata, but – Go ahead. You can defend yourself by all means. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a big uh, Yohan Moncada fan. Uh, I believe in in that you know kind of breakout he had last year, where he put 25 home runs and 10 steals in 132 games. I like the lineup. Uh, really hit the ball a lot harder last year. He had a XBA of 291, so kind of backs up uh, his batting average there. Uh, Increase his exit velocity on line drives and fly balls. So you you know I really like that. And I mean, I just figured, all right, I already have Turner. Um, let me just add a little bit of, uh, you know, another five category guy here who can chip in uh, everywhere and and then uh, go from there. But yeah, big Moncada fan. So I went ahead and pulled the trigger there. Got you. I, I get it. I, I'm with you on Moncada. Just again, the team build starts getting very interesting there. But then you have Patrick Corbin going next to a team that needed a pitcher. I was his first pitcher, not a bad ace. Bichette. Paired with Albies, it's kind of interesting as well. And two aces. So he's lacking in the power department. I think, see, I have, I have a bone to pick because I don't think power is as easy to come by because everybody's kind of taking that same approach of every, power is easy to come by. So now next thing you know, everybody you think should be there is getting taken by other people that, oh, wait, I need power too. So it's not really all that easy to come by because I think there are the haves and have-nots, just like speed. Oh, I can get some late steals. Next you know, no, you can't because everybody's already wrapping them up and taking them early. So it might be a small. I think this might be a little bit, mis- a little misconception to that personally. Because yeah, it's I, all relative. It is. It's all. That's such an easy way of putting it. Uh, instead of <laughs> rambling for thirty minutes, Blake Snell, <laughs> Blake Snell to Mike for his first pitcher, and then Chris Bryant to Zach. That's your first hitter, and that's talk about safe, safe on high floor. I guess it, it kind of goes with your team dynamic at this point, Zach. Yeah, no, that was the uh, that was the last hitter that I really felt comfortable in grabbing. Uh, like one of the elite hitters, I felt like that was one of the last ones kind of left. So I was glad that he fell. I I just didn't want to get stuck with Judge as my first hitter. I'm not really big on Keston Hero, so I'm pretty glad that Brian fell there. I still think he, if he's healthy, hopefully um, he's had plenty of time to heal up. Obviously, with this time off here. He's got dual eligibility, third base outfield. So I really think that he has a great chance to rebound this year. So I was very glad that he fell to me in this spot here in the fourth. All right. And then you have Keston here going right after that. You Darvish, Aaron Judge. Does anybody, why did he go here? He's not, he's barely swinging off a tee. 
Does anybody have confidence in Aaron Judge this year at all? Nope. Nope. Must, must yeah, have been a Yankees no. fan. I, mean, I, I think I saw that he might be ready for opening day. <laughs> he um, might. He was also supposed to be back by now <laughs> right. from early reports when they were saying that. Who plays more games this year, Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton? That's <laughs> stupid. Don't be stupid, Zach. That's just stupid. That's not I, a real question. I, I think, Stanton. Well, Stanton, Stanton, I don't know if he's – they said he – I don't think he's ready to go yet. He might be able to DH right away, but they said he might be Perfect. out for a week or two. That's all I need. I, I don't think either – I think both are hitting off a tee. Like, come on. <laughs> how, many, yeah. how much time have we had here? <sighs> That's so I think it's actually. I think it's a very legitimate question as to which one of these guys plays more. I legitimately don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. mutual pal. I know, but Aaron Judge. I, I'm glad we're all out. Brent, did you have something to say? I think I think I heard you trying to speak in over Zach there. <laughs> I wonder what's going on in New York's like training facilities and their Every doctors. Year, man. I just I would really like to just talk to them and see what's going on up there. They have the, they must have the old Mets training facility training staff because this is exactly what happened to the Mets a few years ago before they got rid of everybody. It's crazy how many guys are getting banged up over there. Yeah, over the last two years, two years. didn't they change their medical staff this year too? Actually, I think they flipped a lot they of did. them. <laughs> it didn't help. They kept the same philosophy. <laughs> they found the old books, dusted them off. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is how we do it. Um, all right, bad joke. We'll move forward. Uh, Aaron Nola. And then the round up, round off the round, Joey Gallo, which is essentially a Stanton with uh, the batting average, I feel, being a little more questionable. But again, it goes back to that whole theory of what is batting average this year. We don't know who's, who's going to do what, but mm-hmm. you obviously got Joey Gallo paired him with Barrios on this turn. I like how your team's turning out. I'm a little concerned for your steals, but ultimately, I like this start. And what are your thoughts on Gallo and Barrios this year? Yeah, usually I punt I punt steals almost in every draft well, a lot of the times. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But Gallo, I think he's probably the biggest hit or miss besides Jorge Soler in a sixty in a sixty game season. It's either I think he's going to go all out, lead the league in home runs, RBIs, and OPS, or he's going to be nowhere. And then with Barrios, is every year he gets off to an incredibly hot start every season. So I'm hoping he comes out of the gates, pitches me forty. Gets great 40 games, and then I can deal with two or three bad starts. Yeah, I like Barrios as far as uh, high floor goes. I think he pairs well to a Castillo, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So I like that pick a lot. And then yeah, you see Josh I, I really Hader like go. Barrios as well. And then such you see a, your boy. Such a Brent pick. It is a Brent pick. <laughs> it is such a Brent pick. And then you have Hader, who is George's guy, going right after Barrios. And we've spoke about Hader enough, George, so I don't want to – do that. Plus, yeah. we're coming up on that hour, and I'm trying to. We're only through. We're gonna get through five rounds, and then we're gonna go round by round and let everybody pick a player that they want to discuss, probably, or talk about their own team. We'll talk about that. Um, Hater going fifth overall, or sorry, second pick of the fifth round. Glass now padded, kind of again more of the same. Then now you see more of a little bit of a closer run. You see, oh, not a closer run, but you see closers come off the board. You had Hater come off, which I'm not sold. He's the he's a closer, but Chapman, he actually is my number one closer off the board. So I like that pick there. I, I know closers this a little early for them for some of us, but I like to get my elite closer. And then of course Braff. I keep looking at your name. It's Zach Braff, whatever your name is, man. You pick Jonathan VR. I don't like VR. We've talked a little bit about him. I know you're kind of in on him, but you got your speed here. Is that the idea? That was. The plan was to target Modesty or VR at some point. And luckily VR fell to me. But yeah, I mean, another reason why I felt confident in taking those starting pitchers early was because I could hopefully pair it with a power bat like I got in Bryant, and then VR should really help me solidify steals um, pretty good. So I'm very happy 
with that selection and second base as well, another shallow position. I think he also has shortstop eligibility, depending on how I built out my team here. But yeah, VR can lock up that category for a lot of teams, or at least put you right in the middle there instead of punting the category. So I like it there. Gotcha. And then you see streamer over here. My, oh, streamer. Stream. He, streamer. Uh, he picked JT Romuto, the first catcher off the board. I hate taking a catcher that early. What do you guys think about taking catcher early at all? Especially in a one catcher format. It's a little early, but JT, yeah. he can, he can contribute in a lot of categories. He can he, steal some bags as well. Say, he even gives you, but why don't you just go get a very, very, very lesser version of Jorge Alfaro who steals bases as well. Won't hit for the batting average, but it can ha- definitely match him for power and steals. Yeah. There were a few starting pitchers. Eh, uh, there's a few that I'm seeing that came up a little bit later. Like guys, maybe like Granky or Bauer, um, some guys, innings eaters. I could have seen, the pitching guy taking a pitcher there, but he decided to go with the catcher. He ended so. up getting really good pitchers. Though. Like Lance Lynn is a hell of a, he, he got, got him in the ninth or eighth round. That's a some, hell of a steal, man. Like yeah, Lynn, Lynn, value. I don't understand how Lynn hasn't moved up draft boards. He's like Charlie Morton without, obviously without the, well, you know, his breaking stuff works really well. He's just without the, without the price tag. He, I mean, he, he pitches the innings. He showed, he put in work and Texas is a pitcher's ballpark now. You gotta love Lance Lynn this year, I think, and I've been on him since beginning, since the beginning of it all, because he's just been falling in drafts, and he still is. And honestly, on the four-five turn coming up in mine, I'm seriously considering him there because I have no starting pitcher. I went three straight hitters in my in my new draft, and he's gonna be there. He's almost always there, but because of how hit pitchers are going, maybe that's why he falls because everybody hits two or three pitchers early on, and he kind of just meets that fringe like nobody really wants him as their second or third guy. So he kind of follows. So I'm hoping maybe I can sneak him back in the sixth or seventh, but we'll see. Anyway, oh, that's a whole other discussion. No one cares about you my other draft. Let's get back to this him. draft. Huh? You could have had him. I could have had him. I didn't want him. I already had my I had I went pocket aces. Like that's the whole point yeah, of that. Take advantage could. of that. <laughs> I don't want to be like you and just overdraft pitching. All right. So Jeff McNeil, meh. He's a captain meh for he's the he's the Kyle Hendricks of hitters. Oh, uh Max Muncy, who's don't awesome. You dare. He is. I mean, and then Nelson Cruz to George Cruz is somebody I considered over Stanton. And right now, if we were redrafting, I probably would have made, I honestly would have made that switch because I think Cruz is Stanton, but with safety. And we know the team he's on is amazing. And the better he has, the better uh, matchups on the schedule and all that. But you, I, I just spoke about him. What do you have to add to that? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, you were knocking me for for my RBIs, and uh, I got him right here with Nelson Cruz. <laughs> One guy doesn't do um, it, man. One guy doesn't do it. Because then if you go back, we're gonna talk about. Oh, we'll talk about your team because oh, after that, where the hell are the RBIs again? I looked. You don't have any. This is I, it. I see. Uh, Castellanos is gonna be batting one or two in the lineup, probably. He's not batting one. What are you talking about? Maybe two. Sorry, sorry. He'll probably bat second. No, so another number two hitter. <laughs> I did take Nelson Cruz here. Uh, it was between him and Zach Greinke. I still I don't see how Zach Greinke lasted till you know pick no. seventy two. That is he, crazy. He went mid third of this draft. I mean, it pissed me off because I thought maybe he'd fall back to me in the fourth. It didn't work yeah. out that way. It, it was between Cruz and Greinke for me. But honestly, like I've I've done so many drafts, and if Nelson Cruz is there for me in the fifth, I take him in the fifth. So mm-hmm. oh yeah, hundred percent. Like if he like he's another yeah. guy. It's like I have all these names to consider. And if I took another hitter, it'd probably be Nelson Cruz. Like yeah, he's I mean, such a solid guy, man. I love him. I love him in the short he, season. 
Could he have been there in the sixth? Maybe. Could he have no. been there in the seventh? Maybe. I don't know. No, because he was on my queue. He wasn't making it back to you in the sixth. There you go. There you go. Why take the chance? I just get get him in the fifth. Someone who's going to return, you know, second round value. Mm-hmm. Um, so totally, you know, on on that Nelson Cruz train. So, um, yeah. But the other pick here that really stands out for me is the Zach Granke at 72. That was really good value. Yeah, I'm really a fan of Granky here. And Loriano kind of goes where he's supposed to go. Lazardo, he's such a hot topic. I think, George, I think you've spoken on him, Zach. I think we've had you. Brent, what are your thoughts on Jesus Lazardo in a shortened season? I mean, if honestly, I don't know what the A's are going to do if he sticks <laughs> in that rotation or Chris Bassett takes the fifth spot or they call up a random guy. To, I mean, the A's could do whatever. I don't know if he – they're not going to extend him. I don't think he's going to be pitching six, seven innings. So quality starts are out the door if you have a quality start league. But I think he's going to be a lot of four inning, lucky if you get five innings out of him type of guy. I'm 100% with you. I think we all on that. It's weird because it's like I talked to a lot of people about him, and it's a very common thing that he's going to be that type of guy. But the draft price does not reflect that, which is mm-hmm. crazy. Like the general public isn't buying into that. But this is the team. Like why not just let him take him? Because this is the guy with like, like the four, the the fourth third baseman. So it makes sense. Like this team just looking at it, it's just like, okay, why not give him Lazardo? But yeah, that's about all I got to say. Whit Merrifield's next, kind of boring. And then I end the fifth round, which is this is 75 players on a 15 team league. So we talk about 75 players for the most part, or not talk about, but we went through them. And Roberto Usuna, because I've been such a big, I've been touting this whole go and get a closer, a top high end closer, Osuna for me. The second closer off my, on my board because I think he's a still a true closer. Hater would be first, but Hater not being a true closer, I, I I still rank him as a as like the top guy because overall he's like the best pitcher. But he's not going. I think he's going to get you wins and saves. So you're looking for just closers. It's Chapman then Osuna for me, and I had to get Osuna there. I got my saves, and then I'm like, well, going back to my look at my team, I'm like, I got great pitching, great ratios, K's. I'm good. P- batting uh, offense, I'm like, oh, I kind of need some help here. And I'm like, well, I could really use some steals. Victor Robles was still there somehow, which again, which is kind of, I guess, kind of late for when he's gone in some of these, you know, drafts where there's more teams because speed's such a premium. I was like, well, screw it, I'll take some Victor Robles. We know, we know he has the prospect pedigree, and that's a sixth round pick. And now, now that we're in the sixth round, kind of want to maybe for like ten minutes here, we're gonna go a little over the hour mark, but maybe just talk about a little bit like each round we'll just everybody can pick a name they want to talk about where they think was a good value or not because a lot of this is more of the same obviously i saw with victor reyes if anybody, or victor robust if anybody has anything to add to that and the other name i wanted to bring up real quick was luis robert because luis you, you see a lot of luis robert victor robust and ramon loriano kind of going right by each other in drafts mm-hmm. i don't have the confidence in luis robert he has a hard time recognizing break in pitches and he's just unproven he's gonna be bottom batting at the bottom of the lineup he crushed triple a but this is major league pitching i have and in a shortened season there's no time to let him figure it out so i'm completely out on on luis robert george what do you think about luis robert no yeah i'm, I'm with you um you know still hasn't you know played in the in the majors yet and like you said, you, you need to find every edge you can in, in a 60 game season. And if he's hitting at the bottom of the order, you know, it could make a make a big difference there. Um, I'm staying away from, you know, high variance guys. And, you know, we, we've seen he had a high strikeout rate, you know, in the minors. So we'll see how he translates over to the majors. If this was like 162, I wouldn't mind it at all because, you know, you're, you're probably going to get a good amount of steals. You know, you showed the power last year. Um, but in 60 games, no, I'm, I'm off of that. I got you. What about you, Brent? 
Yeah, I don't think I would draft him this early either. He'd be kind of a late guy. And honestly, in that lineup, he's going to be hitting in the bottom because you're going to have Anderson one, Mankata two, probably Abreu three, and Grandal four. So Robert is going to be eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Zach? So I actually considered Robert here. <laughs> there it is. Just because I really There's wanted always to. always one. <laughs> I really just wanted to kind of lock up stolen bases, and I felt like VR and Robert would have just been a great pairing. But in the end, I ultimately decided to go Josh Bell. I felt like he was a safer player, better all-around player. I didn't want to be like you, Curlin, and punt average completely. So I went with Josh Bell there, thinking that Luis Robert was going to have some some struggles in his rookie year. Uh, I just think the plate discipline is not there yet. And um, I actually think it could be a long season for him, especially even if it's a a 60-game season. So ultimately passed. But, yeah, I mean, the stolen base potential is there, but I think there's a lot of potential for the rest of his game to just not be there this year. Mm -hmm. All right. And beyond the Luis Robert pick in that round, anybody have a name that stands out to them? Or we we want to move on? We can move on to the seventh round. We can move Um, on. Yeah. All right. Um. Obviously, and again, we'll, we'll actually review our teams here at the end. I'd say we'll go through like 10 or so rounds. So in the seventh round, the first name that sticks out to me is Otani. I think mm-hmm. you got to talk about him. Brad, Zach, obviously you took him. But remember, I text you. I was thinking yeah. about taking him. I was thinking about taking him at the 5-6 uh, turn because in daily leagues, he's very, very intriguing, assuming he has pitching eligibility and DH in the same player. And in a daily league, he gives you everything. You're getting offense. You're getting pitching. And it's one less roster spot you have to take up to do it. Yeah. So I love the Otani pick. I think it's tremendous value in a daily format. Yeah, I know you were interested in him. Uh, Somebody else texted our group chat asking uh, position eligibility questions. So I think a lot of people were intrigued by him. But yeah, but I was willing to take him like (laughs) 20 picks before you win. Yeah, yeah, I should have. I know. I didn't. Um, Like you said, in a daily, daily league, I love Otani. And um, I kind of was just drafting him based on just thinking that he was going to get his pitching eligibility rather quickly. Um, I was just kind of doing this mock exercise, thinking of other platforms as well, whether it be like Yahoo, ESPN, um, just another platform where he would be a pitcher right from the start. So I think it's tremendous value here in uh, what are we in? in the seventh round here. This was pick um, pick 96. I think it's tremendous value. And like you said, he's going to give you a little bit of everything. He's going to give you some stolen bases. He contributes in the average and home run department. I mean, he's really a – five category producer offensively plus all the extra pitching bonuses you're going to get figure he's probably going to be hitting most days during the week maybe a day or two off from dh duties and then he'll pitch uh once a week so i i just think it's tremendous value as a top 100 pick anybody have anything to add to that or dispute or debate I was thinking that what they could end up doing with Otani because now they got a couple pitchers in L.A. is he bats every day and becomes like a long relief like Josh Hader. I wish. I really, truly wish he would. Really would be ideal. I don't think they want to mess with it. I think they want to keep him long-term as a starter. And I know this year's kind of funky, but I think six-man rotation is what's going to end up happening there, and that's why they're going to keep him stretched out. My thoughts. I mean, I could be completely wrong because we all could it's 60 game season yeah. it's a gal free card we can all be wrong and it's okay they did say uh they did come out and say that he would be just pitching once a week right yeah, yeah. i think they're still doing the six-man rotation they're so, gonna do six man for now you, which you have to remember um that's gonna limit all their pitchers so even griffin canning who avoided surgery and should be back and other guys like that uh bundy even like that's gonna limit yeah andrew 
So they all take hits just because just, of like their limitations. Just imagine uh, though, if Otani, if he, I don't know where this music is coming from. My apologies. <laughs> um, just imagine if Otani does pitch once a week, and if he is hitting maybe like four times a week. I mean, this this could be an MVP type player this year mm-hmm. if he's fully healthy. Mm-hmm. I picked him as my preseason sixty game season MVP winner in the AL. I just uh, if he's healthy, which I believe he is, I think we could have we could be in store for for something special from this guy this year. In daily formats, because weekly formats, he's always gonna be it's always gonna be tough with him. But in yeah. daily formats, will he be a top two round pick next year? Um, For me, he will be. Assuming he gets out this year healthy, he's yeah. gonna be a top two round. Why not in daily formats? Strictly daily, because in weekly, he's always gonna be tougher to deal with. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think it's definitely possible. Maybe a second, third round pick, but yeah, he's definitely got the potential to be up there. I mean, I I don't see why you wouldn't, especially if he shows out as a pitcher. There's no reason why I wouldn't want him over a Luis Castillo type that's going in the second round. Or heck, I would take him over Jamie Martinez for the upside because you're getting two. My thing is, is the efficiency as far as like you're getting a potential ace starting pitcher and a potential stud hitter. That is so valuable. You will see him. Go, I bet you'll see him go, go early. Like you might see him in the back in the first rounds next year. I'm telling you, especially any, if he shows any runs. Especially if he shows out this year. If he shows out at all this year. We're, there's not going to be any discount. He's going to go first two rounds next year for sure, which is crazy to me. But I, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm buying. I'm buying <laughs> in. Give me them. Give me all the shares. Okay. Um, Otani was definitely the interesting name in that round. Beyond that, it's, again, it's a lot more of the same. Nothing really stands out to me after that. I, I'll. We can talk about. I think. What do you think? Go ahead, George. Let me. Know. I think Brent got pretty good value on Paul Goldschmidt at 91. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, that's on Paul Goldschmidt. Um, but I think uh, that's good value. But I think it's good value there at 91. Uh, You're a Cardinals fan, aren't you, Brent? No, I'm a Twins fan. I just Twins. like I just like Flaherty. That's what it is. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. I, thought, I forgot. Yeah. I, I knew it was one of the two teams. And then but, uh, for, for, uh, for what it's worth, Mike, uh, Roster Resource has Castellanos batting fifth. Um, <laughs> Weird. <laughs> it's going to be an RBI I- machine. I don't think yeah. he batted. I don't think he batted fifth one time in spring training. Just so you're aware, like that's such a <laughs> random spot to throw him. No, I mean they have Akiyama, Vado, Suarez, Mustakas, and Castellanos. I mean, I guess I could maybe see him uh, flipping with Mustakas, maybe batting cleanup. But yeah, that'd no, be I mean, nice. No, you're right. I, I forgot about Vado. I completely forgot about Vado. To be honest, but what if Akiyama doesn't lead off? We all assume he is, but what if he doesn't? Then Castellanos is leadoff guy. Just saying. Castellanos is be. not yeah, leadoff. We'll see. I, I can I see. I was just so surprised to see Castellanos there at 100. I, I still thought like I still. I think I he's good value. Play. Definitely. Yeah. But he, be- I think he belongs in that tier of Marcel Zuna. Framil Reyes, uh, power first guy, good value there. Miguel Sano, who I took, which he, he, I don't even know if he's going to play baseball this year, but I took him. <laughs> the, no, he got the, those charges waived. They waived him. I heard, the, I heard the DR is actually opening up an investigation in Dominican Republic about it. So they're, re- I, they're reopening it? In, in the Dominican Republic, though, not okay. here in the States. Okay. So I don't know what's going on. That's what, I mean, somebody sent me a, the, the thing about it today. So I don't know. But then, like I said, I took Miguel Sano because I, I said screw batting average in this draft. and But then I took Tommy Edmond, which was like high batting average, but stolen bases. So I was just like, yeah, whatever. But anyway, um, beyond that, we're starting again. Once you get to that pick 100 range, you start seeing the 120s. You start seeing names in and out. Nothing truly stands out to me here. I, I love the Matthew Boyd value. And Kenta Maeda was a hell of a – like he should not have fallen. He's another guy who fell way too far. Kenta Maeda should be a top like eight-round guy. Yeah, SP Streamer, he he won hitters. 
he went hitter with his top three picks here and, and Betts, Harper, and Marte, and he really recovered starting pitcher. He grabbed some great starting pitchers. Oh, yeah. Snell, Sonny Gray. I think Snell is the shakiest of them all. He solidified that with Sonny Gray in the seventh round, Lance Lynn in the eighth round, Boyd in the tenth, and Maeda in the eleventh. I mean, that is just a rock-solid five starting pitchers right there to pair that with three elite outfielders and the best catcher in baseball. So I really like the way that his team is shaping out through through 11 picks. I don't love you have to, a lot that, of them after that. But. I was saying, that's why you have to remember this is a mock because pitching won't fall like this in a lot of drafts. Like Pitching really fell in yeah. this draft. Yeah, it did. Even the closers, Kirby Yates at 98. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you aren't gonna see that. Like you have to like this draft is like fool's gold. Like we all think like, oh yeah, this mock draft. It's frustrating because like the draft I'm in right now, just like I said, it's a true draft. Same same idea, and pitching is pushed up so much more. I I'm gonna probably get better value on hitters, and I don't know. It's gonna be crazy. It's kind of awesome though. Kind of awesome to see the differences because you really just never know the draft room you're gonna get into. ADP usually falls into place, and people have an idea of how teams are gonna draft. But this year, you're gonna have so many people doing so many different things. It's kind of crazy, kind of fun, but yeah. Um, let's go ahead and we again we we talked we talked almost about the top top one hundred, and after that, it's all preference. Let's mm-hmm. talk about our teams before we get out of here. Uh, sure. Who has anybody want to talk about their team? Who wants to talk about their team first? Any money? Let's go, go Zach. In, I was gonna say let's go in order from first pick to last. So Brent, why don't you start Brent. off? Ooh, Zach's that's two shows in a row. He just took charge and <laughs> knew what to do, man. Brent, you've taught him well, buddy. You've taught him how to host. Good on you, man. It's those rapid fire questions. That's what it is at the end of the shows. <laughs> you, you let the most monotone and snail paced guy give rapid fire questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk rapid fire. Dun, dun, dun. I guess. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So go ahead, Brent. Let's talk about your team. Uh, you can go in order of how you draft or just your overall uh, roster, however you want to do it. Yeah, I, I always go for power, RBIs, and usually OPS. And I got Donaldson, Goldschmidt, Contreras, and Gallo. They all provide that. And outfields, Gallo, Nimmo, Trout, and Upton. But my pitching, I kind of drafted high strikeout, high ERA type guys. So like Andrew Heaney, Herman Marquez, Jose Brios is kind of becoming like that. Caleb Smith. So... I just kind of did a mix of hot, just risked it. It's only 60 games found guys know. that are streaky. Yeah. You say you don't know. I mean, you try, you did try to back up a little bit of safety there with like Keiko and Tehran, mm-hmm. but I don't know how often and Marco Gonzalez very, very late. I'm, I'm just not sure how you're going to like how much those guys are really going to do what they're going to do for you. But I see, dude, I don't know what you, you punted. You punted steals, obviously, but then oh, yeah. you also went ahead and punted saves. Mm-hmm. You realize you can't punt two categories in a roto league, Brent. <laughs> You're killing me here, man. You drafted well, a team you want to play MLB the show with. But how many saves do you think some of these closers are going to get? That's the thing. Like anyone could get a save, and if they're going to only roll four, three, four innings with some of these starters, anyone could, is going to be thrown up getting a save. No, I understand that. You just have to, you're gonna have to, like in this type of in this specific team, you're, you would have to just play the waiver wire for for closers for sure. Yeah. And Michael Givens, I saw like I said, that's your actual 25th round pick, but he's your <laughs> only relief pitch on this team, which is it's just very risky because even if you don't think closers hold value this year, I would still suggest that you want at least one or at least two that you think will get some saves. Mm-hmm. And Givens, I think, will fall into some. But that puts you behind and saves. So you're just again, you're gonna have to play the waiver wire or grab a bunch of those next in line guys, which is what I did on my team. Instead of drafting starters, I just kept drafting relievers. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, 
Zach, or anybody want to give any feedback before we move on? I should yeah, say. I was just going to say in regards to Brent's team, I mean, he, he's put together a lot of nice pieces like we did with the pitching staff, but I agree here with uh, with Curland and the fact that that's, that's weird. It doesn't happen often, but I mean, punting one category, I could I can be on board with kind of, but punting two categories, I just don't think that's going to win you a league. Um, so I would definitely try to lock up whether it be some middle tier or lower end relievers or some stolen bases somewhere. So if you were playing this team out, I think it would be, uh, I think it could be difficult to be towards the top considering you're going to have, you're going to be at the bottom in two of those categories in five by five Roto. But mm-hmm. we'll see, man. I like, I like some of the pieces you put together here. And on that note, uh, let's just move on to your team then Zach. All right. So we'll move on to mine. So obviously <laughs> we, uh, we know about my my pocket aces times three um, with the ground stress. That's trips. That's trip aces. But my trip a- my trip aces. That's actually I should have said that. I'm kind of uh-huh. I didn't say that now. Yeah, way to screw that one up. <laughs> my trip aces. And I'm texting um, while while doing this. So <laughs> you are. So after the trip aces, I I really just needed to go hitter heavy. So I felt confident doing that with with Brian, VR, Josh Bell, and Otani. I uh, feel really good about those. I think we're going to see a bounce back here from Corey Seager. Grandal locked up my catcher position. I think he's probably a top three guy at that position. Ahmed Rosario, I think he could be in line for a breakout this year. I think he's also going to contribute in the stolen base department. Uh, Craig Kimbrell was my first closer in the 11th round. I think he's going to kind of return to form. I don't think they brought him in there in a three-year deal for good money to, uh, to not be the closer. Uh, so hopefully with a full – Full two spring trainings, he can figure things out over there. And at this point, I'm in the 12th round, and I don't have any outfielders, so I went outfield with the next four picks. And I actually really like how this turned out. Verdugo, who's a high-average guy, Malik Smith, uh, probably uh, not going to get me anything in the average department, but another stolen base weapon to pair him with VR. So I like that. And then... Two big power bats. I'm, I've really been in on Hunter Renfro this offseason. He's one of the guys I've really been hyping up. I think he's going to do great things over there in Tampa. And Jock Peterson, dual eligibility outfield and corner infield at first base there. I know George is kind of upset that I took Jock Peterson from him there. So really like those guys. Then I just kind of rounded out with some young pitching from the 16th to the 20th round with guys like Dylan Cease, Alcantara, Michael Kopech, Corbin Burns, even if these are guys that aren't going to maybe get me wins and quality starts, they might take up some bulk innings and uh, maybe grab a win here and there. And then I grab my guy, James Karinchek, who I think is going to end up taking over that closer's job and just going to be a beast in the strikeout department. So feel good about my team. And um, Jay Bruce was a late guy that I was targeting for outfield. I think he's going to take that uh, universal DH role in Philly, and he's going to run with it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with the way my team turned out. I don't know if anybody else feels the same, so feel free to uh, give me crap for it or I don't know. <laughs> I'm all right with it. I do like Renfro and Peterson. I don't like Renfro by himself. There is a very, very legit chance in a 60-game season he doesn't quite – do what we were hoping maybe he was going to grow into because we I do trust the Rays to develop hitters. I just don't trust them to take the time to do it in a shortened season. And they have the depth to kind of say, screw that, or we'll do it next year. But what you did was take a guy who crushes lefties and might be on the short side of a platoon. And by taking Jock Peterson, 
in a daily format, you compare them together and you have an elite power option. You again, you're eating a, a extra spot on your lineup. But if say Hunter Renfro does get the weak side of a platoon, Jock we know has a strong side of the platoon, and you're looking at together, those guys are like a, a 60 home run guy. You know what I mean? So pairing those two together, I'm sure you didn't plan on it that way, might have worked out very, very well. And I really and like then that throw theory. in Verdugo in that mix too. I, I honestly think a lot of those guys are pretty close in, in rankings, outfield rankings. But Verdugo, uh, he's going to hit for a very high average compared to those should. guys. So they all, he should hit for a high average. So all those guys together make one good outfielder. We'll see how all three of them do. Yeah. But like you said, it's all about, and the problem is now with, I mean, again, 15 teamers, the waiver wire won't be so plentiful. But in a 12 team league, it's hard to advocate for something like that because waiver wires are going to be turn and burn. It's, you're going to have to, and it's going to be, you're going to have to make some tough drops in Hunter Renfro if he's on a short side of a platoon. As much as you love him, he would have to be an instant drop for anybody good off the waiver wire. It just is what it is. Uh, Brent, have anything to add about this terrible team? I mean, fantastic. I mean, Zach's team. <laughs> no, I mean, it's good overall. I just, the outfield's a little shaky as a lot of if guys like Malik yeah, Smith, if, Verdugo, exactly. Renfro, Cordero. It's a bun. I mean, boomer bust. Boomer bust. And George, anything to add before we move on to your team? No, I mean, uh, at this, you know, at this point, when uh, Zach started taking those outfielders, starting with three pitchers, you kind of have to go boomer bust. Um, I think, you know, I do like the Bryant VR bell, you know, after taking those three pitchers. So I think it's overall a solid team. Gotcha. Well, let's move on to your team. We're running a little long here. I, I knew this was going to happen, <laughs> but let's, let's have some, we're having some fun. Let's move along to your team, George. Let's go. Yeah. So uh, we already went through, you know, my first uh, five mm-hmm. picks leading up to Cruz and, um, you know, six was Frankie Montas. That was my second pitcher. Montas is one of these guys who, you know, I think, I mean, he was, he was, practically an ace for half a season last year uh got suspended and you know i kind of buy into that i think he could be someone who pitches deeper into games which is going to be you know really important to get from your starting pitchers uh nick castellanos and then uh james paxton uh, at pick 111 in the eighth round uh his adp before you know before there was news of his uh surgery on what was it his uh a hernia or back uh, the cyst yeah cyst in his back yeah uh, I mean, his ADP was right around like 90, so it was like a round or two earlier. Um, getting him out here at 111, he's good to go. I like it like it as my third pitcher. And then I went back-to-back closers with uh, Kenley Jansen and Brad Hand. Uh, I think in a shortened season, I kind of trust Cleveland to keep Brad Hand a little more than if it were you know over 162. Um, so I, I got my two closers here. And then um, Brian Reynolds, you know, I'm a big Reynolds fan, got him at 160. And then um, went ahead and took Kyle Tucker, obviously El Garcia, a big Garcia. I love Garcia. Yeah. yeah, Garcia at 190. That was a steal. Especially yeah. with the shortened season because, I mean, with the DH in the NL, because he goes from being a fourth outfielder to pretty much playing outfield every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then pretty much I, I didn't, I haven't taken another starting pitcher. And that's kind of going to be my philosophy is to push up, you know, starting pitching in the front end uh, along with steals and then kind of, try to mitigate that risk. So I pretty much just went all relievers after the relievers I got after were uh, Josh James. We'll see if he gets a rotation spot or not. I'd ra- at this point, I'd rather him not. And maybe he could be someone to piggyback off of someone like Lance McCullers come in for uh, three, four innings and maybe pick up some wins. Uh, and then I picked up uh, Will Smith out of Atlanta. Uh, later on, I got Ryan Presley, um, Freddie Peralta, Chad Green, 
So a, a lot of a lot of those good, you know, high strikeout middle relievers that can help some ratios. Uh, and then a couple guys I took a shot on, uh, Renato Nunez for some more power there in Baltimore. Um, These are our guys. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that, that's pretty much it. I mean, uh, last couple of rounds, I went Brendan Rodgers and Danny Jansen. We'll see now with the departure of Ian Desmond, how things shake up there in, in Colorado. And then with the DH as well, we'll see if Ryan McMahon plays, plays a little bit more first base, opens up second. So uh, at this point, at pick 351, I went ahead and took a shot on uh, Brendan Rodgers. All right. That's going to do – I mean, that's going to do for your team. Anybody have anything to say about it? I think overall it's a, it's a really good-looking team. Obviously, the pitching is is a major concern, but I like that you, uh, you kind of pivoted off the starting pitchers and went with hardcore relief pitching. Um the James pa- James Paxton pick just it really makes me nervous. A guy that hasn't thrown 160 inning over 160 innings in um, pretty much his whole career, I believe. Um, obviously, coming off some some injuries, yeah, he hasn't pitched over 160 innings in his entire career. So James Paxton, uh, I'm just nervous with the shortened season ramping things up that um, we could see another injury from him. So if that is the case, then you're stuck with Bieber and Montas really as your only starting pitchers. So. The pitching um, is the major concern, but I really like what you did with your outfield between Springer, Castellanos. Love Brian Reynolds. I know we're both big on him. And Kyle Tucker, if Dusty Baker actually gives him playing time, I think he could really uh, pay off this year. And Avisel Garcia, another great, great bat. But, yeah, I like what you did with a lot of these picks. And you took your your homer pick in the 19th with Mauricio Dubon. I can't can't (laughs) fault you there. Um, But, yeah, uh, you picked some really good upside relievers here as well. And, if, it's a very good strategy if you don't go starting pitcher early or if you if you don't get the guys falling to like the way SP Streamer had in this draft, then going uh, reliever is a, is a good way to go here, especially even if they're not just closers, guys uh, like middle inning guys who might get some more wins um, or if you're in a saves holds type league, they could be in line for some holds as well. So I like the uh, I like the team that you put together here. Yeah, Howie Kendrick, too, now with Ryan Zimmerman sitting out the season. That's almost every day at bats. Him and Eric Thames get a big boost. Thames is awesome, mostly because I like playing with him in MLB The Show. (laughs) Yeah, I did take Kendrick uh, there in the 18th at pick 261. And between Kendrick and Dubon, even Hanser Alberto in Baltimore, you know, streaming him against lefties. Um, And then, um, yeah, between these guys, I mean, I kind of moved them in and out of my middle infield uh, position, so. Yeah, that's kind of kind of how I piece that one together. Nice. All right, I guess it's my turn, which I actually don't care for this team a whole lot, but <laughs> it's, it's okay because I uh, I had a good I had a good time drafting in the meanwhile in the meantime. So obviously Carson Kelly is my catcher. Especially, especially the first two rounds, you really enjoyed those. Uh, I, I they were a dream. They were a dream come true. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh, man. Uh, well. It's, it's okay because I slipped through my last two picks too, apparently, because I, I didn't even realize I auto drafted Bummer uh, and Kinsler. They were on my queue just in case. You and were sleeping like, during those? I don't know what I was doing, but I definitely didn't draft them. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, which is fine though, because those are just back end. Uh, Aaron Bummer is actually good for the ratios and some some sneaky saves, but I had enough saves, so I didn't really need them. I needed starters, but regardless, uh, Carson Kelly's my catcher. Garrett Cooper's my starting first baseman, so you know how this went. Although I will be moving Miguel Sano there, who doesn't have the eligibility yet, but will gain it. So he is my first baseman in waiting. Garrett Cooper's just a, a stop gap in the meantime. 
Rugnit or uh, Rugnit or Odor at second base. Like, yeah, come on, Sano, Odor, Baez. What do they do oh, to my batting man. average? <laughs> I, got, I got, I got. Here's the thing. I got a bunch of counting stats. I have steals. I have power. I have everything but batting average. Javier Baez again hits all the categories. I tried mitigating some of the batting average issues with Tommy Edmond, but that's one guy. Colton Wong, we saw two halves. One he hit over 300. One he hit like 250-ish. So I still think there's a 250 batting average floor there, but not that safe. Then I kind of got safer here with some batting average. Ryan Braun can still hit for a decent average, and he's a guy that we just talked about with Garcia. Braun just gains a ton of value, should be DHing every day. The bat still plays, and he actually steals a few bags. Willie Calhoun is kind of that high good hit tool, high floor guy, four categories. Um, Yasuo Puig, obviously, I'm bullish on. I still think he's going to sign, which he hasn't. So now I'm, I'm I'm concerned, but for some reason he hasn't signed, and he was just a power speed guy that fell to where he fall, 196. I thought it was worth taking a shot on him because at that price, I still don't mind dropping him if I have to. Of course, Victor Robles and Stanton we talked about, and then Cesar Hernandez. I just love him as far as just being a solid middle infield value and just a guy again, just safe, just safe. At this point, I need, he's somebody like I need safety in this lineup. He's a guy that is safe. So there's it's a, pretty much a whole high variance team, but except for my pitching staff, I love this pitching staff because I have Bueller and Scherzer, and uh, from there I kind of did the same thing George did. I just kind of took good relief pitchers. I got Osuna, and then I got Nick Anderson, who I think is going to be similar to a hater. Won't get all the save opportunities, but we'll get those middle innings and maybe some relief appearances that get him some wins and saves. Paired him with Diego Castillo, which in a normal season, I hate that idea. But in a shortened season, I think I have two-thirds of that three-headed monster there. I think there's a good chance that they get major- the two of them get majority of the saves. So having Osuna pairing him with two guys that will get me uh, ratios and Ks and some of the saves, I think that, that right there I have enough saves to compete went ahead and said, screw that. I'm going to get Corey Knable as well because I think Knable's going to do the same thing with Hayter and mm-hmm. just, just steal some saves. So I think I got saves wrapped up. I have ratios and I have Ks. Um, I got some of my fa- some of the guys I enjoy. Like Joe Musgrove, I really like this year as my SP3. I wish I would have got a better SP3, but that's who I got. Carlos Martinez, I really, really like, and he should be starting. I just think he's going to be limited to five innings to start at best. So he's a little bit risky. And same thing with Nate Pearson. He might not even start. So I didn't round out my, my pitching staff the way I would have liked. But because of how how heavy I went on relief pitchers, I think it kind of makes up that difference. Because I think between Castillo, the, uh, uh, Castillo, Anderson, and Knebel, I kind of have my SP three between the three of them. That sounds it's a little risky of a game to play, but I, I get some saves. Some I'll get some saves and wins there. And again, the three of them will make a pitcher. I'll probably have to stream for innings. And I have Kaku- I'm actually on deck, and I have Kikuchi as my top uh, player to grab right now. So I'll have, I most likely have Kikuchi on my team as well. And yeah, yeah so I really like what you did with uh, Castillo and Nick Anderson pairing those two. Absolutely, I almost took, I almost took Alvarado too. I almost made. I almost just took all three of them and said, "Screw it." <laughs> I really did. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do think that Castillo and Anderson are you know the top two guys there. And you know what, Castillo actually uh, you know made some appearances as an opener for Tampa Bay last year. He made eight appearances where he pitched two in two full innings. So I mean, at worst, you're he's someone who could even come in. Uh, after uh, Ryan Yarbrough or uh, Yanni Chirinos and and pitch a couple innings and on that team, I mean, uh, wouldn't doubt if if he can you know pick up a few wins there. So really face like that, that Diego Castillo pick. <laughs> he gets to face the Marlins, so yeah, there's always a chance for that. But yeah, that's gonna do it for my team. And this ran way longer than the hour I was expecting, hour and a half. We haven't done podcasts this long in a long time. But I don't know about you guys, it actually went by relatively quickly. I really enjoyed it. So I thank you guys for joining me. We won't hold on any longer. Again, you can follow everybody on Twitter here. 
I'm at Mike underscore Curlin. Zach is at Brav Z. George is at Roto underscore Nino. And Brent is at Exit Velo underscore BH. And remind everybody where your podcast is at and where they can find it. Yeah, we're we're everywhere on Apple, uh, Google, wherever, Spotify, wherever you listen, and it's Exit Velocity Baseball Podcast. At Exit Velo PC, correct? Yep. Perfect. On that note, guys, just all we ask on your way out is a five-star rating review. We greatly appreciate it. And as always, stay tuned for more. We have so much here. Exit Velocity Podcast with Zach, as always. He's always doing that. George has the Roto Rank stuff going on. I got the Beer Bourbon Baseball stuff going on. It is a ton of fun. Again, stay tuned for all that, and we'll talk to you soon.